1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden and bringing you today's episode because it is Wednesday and it is a draft Wednesday is draft. Come and join us on draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. It's daily fantasy, but not quite like the rest. Or you can play right from your computer on draft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code L O B U C K S. Again, that's L O Bucks for lockdown bucks. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using our promo code L O Bucks on your first deposit on draft. So it's very simple. Go check it out. Live, daily, fantasy basketball done just like that. It's so simple and easy. So go check them out. Frank, it is Wednesday. We are trying to get ready for the Milwaukee Bucks game against the Detroit Pistons. And we'll preview that in a little bit, but... Kevin Garnett decided to come through town today. And I think that is kind of always, always something worth mentioning when he does that.
0: Yeah. He's been the, uh, I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of former star players kind of cross through Milwaukee, uh, the past couple of years. Um, you know, for the most part, obviously guys that Jason Kidd has asked to come in, um, Gary Payton, uh, despite thinking he was going to get what well, didn't Gary Payton think he was going to get like a coaching job or something, uh, Didn't work out in the end, Um, and then John Stockton was in town, um, and KG has been the most notable, and he's also been the guy that has been around the most. He's—I mean—I don't know how many times he's come the last couple years, but um, he's been a pretty you know semi-regular visitor, working with in particular Thon and and Giannis, and he was back today. And um, you know, I was going to say it actually makes sense for him to come today because I feel like we didn't talk at all about Thon um the past couple days and um i I don't know i mean again i I don't want to like say that any sign of anything from Thon is like therefore like oh he's in he's doing great now and blah 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 but um i think he has shown some signs uh the past few games and um you know i I don't know again i don't know how much these kg visits uh really help but uh you know, you talked to Thon afterwards. I mean, what what was the feedback from Thon uh, after today's session?
1: I guess to me the interesting thing is like obviously, Cagey's a lunatic. Like the dude is just straight up crazy. So <laughs> like walking into the practice facility, you just hear his voice yelling, and it's uh, I mean. Man, it is language I would not use on Locked On Bucks. Um, would be the way that KG uh, communicates when he's helping work out a young player. So uh, a whole whole bunch of mfers and uh, just just kind of g- going exactly how you would think KG would go. And talking with Thon after, obviously, he said, "Yeah, like the first thing you kind of think about with KG is." his mindset that KG is going to come in and he's going to be that he, he's going to be as intense as he always is. And he's going to kind of give you that mindset and talk to you about how you have to think you're, you're the best player on, on the floor. And, uh, that was, that was one thing that KG was yelling regularly, uh, best player on the court, Don, that's the dream. You're the best player on the court. That's what you gotta be. And just, I mean, obviously peppered with intermittent cursing, but uh that was that was kind of the thing, and you always think about that um but i I thought it was interesting to hear Than talk about. How he had like actual pointers about like things he can improve on (laughs) in his game because like I, I KG can roll out of bed and be intense. Like I I tweeted it out tonight. This is the same dude that headbutted a hole into his wall of his own home after watching an episode of Making the Band on MTV. Like he, he, he's intense all the time. That is him. That is exactly what he is. But Thon was like, yeah, he, he came in and, he wanted to talk about uh working on this or working on that and obviously thon wasn't going to share exactly what those things were um but he said that yeah he did really kind of seem to have some specific pointers and we we talked for a little while longer and then at the end of the interview i just kind of wanted to circle back and be like how how kind of crazy is it for you to think that kevin garnett in his spare time is like Watching your guys' film, and he's watching video and making sure that like you're doing things well in games. Like, like, can you even comprehend what it's like to have Kevin Garnett kind of keeping a watchful eye on you? And again, like you said, who knows how much this helps, and, and who knows really if, if it helps at all? The these what I think three or four visits last year. I'm sure it'll probably be similar this year. Like, does that really help? But. I was kind of taken by Thon's response because he was just like, well, it shows that he's committed. That's it. Let me, let me grab the exact quote. He is committed and we're happy. Uh, shoot. Let me go. Uh, he mentioned it when he first, when we first got here in the morning with me and Yas. He was like, I've been watching you guys. I've been watching this. I've been watching that. You have to get rid of this. You have to keep this. Keep doing this. And you kind of think like, okay, so he's spending time to watch you and try to come back with something to give you, something positive or something to help you out with or your game with. And it's big. It's it's pretty big. So you have to concentrate, pay attention, and go to work. And I, I guess I, I, I started to think about it a little bit from that standpoint, just that this 20-year-old kid has one of the, I don't even know what you want to call KG, 20 best players in the history of the NBA, 25 somewhere in there. Watching his games and knowing that every couple of months he's going to come by and give him another pointer, and whether or not that actually helps, you can debate. But I do think just what a what a cool experience that has to be for Thon, because like Jason Kidd had said today, you look at a guy in KG who was seven feet tall and could do some of those things that make Thon and Giannis special. It, that. I just think that would be invaluable. Um, it, it, whether or not that like. I don't know, is is there some osmosis that comes from KG throwing basketballs at you as you shoot free throws? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It it didn't appear that way today. Um, It it appeared to be a a good irritant and something that was annoying Thon as he was trying to concentrate shoot free throws, but um, maybe something more does come from that. I I don't know. I I just thought it was a really cool experience to think about for Thon.
0: Yeah, I think the interesting thing is that, especially because Thon's offense game in particular is so limited right now um or or at least certainly what he tries to do is is so limited that um you know having somebody who obviously embodied uh just a sort of well-rounded offensive big man game that you know you would love to see thon aspire to i mean the one thing thon obviously does is shoot threes. that garnett never really kind of stretched out fully to the three-point line with much consistency um, terrific mid-range jump shooter probably was a guy that you know, I, I always felt like every time I watched him, I always felt like, man, this is a guy who could just get buckets in the post and never seemed that interested in doing that. Yeah. Um, like he's probably was was less um, less of a rim attacker than I think he probably could have been. Um, but obviously his skill set um, is one that, you know, if, if Thon aspires to model his game after KG uh, on both ends. Uh, yeah, you'd be pretty pretty pleased with that. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because I think it's also interesting with Thon because on the one hand, Thon is a guy who isn't really afraid of like the moment. Like he isn't afraid to take a shot, like a deep three. You know, we've seen that from day one. He comes into game. He would come into games cold with no warm up. You know, late yeah. in games or early in rookie season, and just shoot threes and make them. And um, you know, he, he just didn't seem to be afraid of that. And um, on the other hand, you know, he's a guy who right now is plays so in within himself that it's hard to see what he really even can do offensively at times Mm -hmm. because you know for the most part he doesn't even try to shoot you know he doesn't even try to like put the ball on the floor or do anything and that's probably for the best right I mean I don't think we've seen signs that he has a whole lot to his game at least at this point in that respect but um you know I thought against the Lakers he had a nice attack of a closeout that he finished for an and one um unfortunately against the grizzlies he almost had one of those and and ended up just going just his his lack of strength kind of really yep. hurt him and he kind of and just underlaid um but i think we're seeing from him and and he's been a little more active on the offensive boards which you know again if he's always at the three-point line that's you know the big problem with that is that he can't really get you second shots um can't really use that energy to get you offensive rebounds um i think we saw him the other day get a an offensive rebound and a quick putback and it was like oh yeah good that, and on
1: that helpful. and on that i was talking to matt velasquez a little bit today and he said he was uh chatting with vin baker and i know he put this in his story about thon and kg today um that vin baker had said one thing that work they're working on is getting him to work inside the three-point line um and like we said last week for offensive rebounds for the bucks the rules are that you have to be inside the three-point line to actually go for offensive rebounds. So when Matt said that, my mind kind of started to fire a little bit and think, oh, okay, if you have him open up to space inside the three-point line, then he can actually attempt to go for offensive rebounds. And I think in the last two or three games, we've seen him do that, where he's actually been able to attack the glass. And it started to kind of make me think about how I think we all love Thon shooting threes. And that is, those are the shots that we want for him. And again, I think at, earlier this year, I think I might have said something like, I don't care if that's all he does, if the only shots he takes are threes. Like that theoretical idea of being able to spread the floor is huge. But I don't know if I necessarily thought about it as much from, a, I guess, a rhythm and flow perspective for an actual young basketball player like if thon's only taking five shots a game and they're all from the three-point line and he spends all of his time outside of the three-point line can he get into a flow and again i'm not saying go post him up or anything but we hear so often with big men that you have to be able to have some flow on the other side to also be able to defend on the other end and I do wonder if there is some sort of correlation now between him being more active offensively if that gives him a little bit uh, more energy defensively and certainly the last couple of games Eric Bledsoe's been around so that helps you and it makes you look better defensively and maybe gives you a bit more energy but um just kind of it, it made me today think about kind of that push and pull that you have with with a player is you're trying to develop them and you're trying to develop the things that you want and the right things and and the things that will be important in the future but also you still have to be able to to give him confidence and to let him find a flow and a rhythm and it it just wasn't something i had really kind of thought about until today when we had a chance to to talk to kid about kg and thon about kg and then Matt had mentioned that as well. It's just kind of an an interesting an, an interesting combination of factors for how a player develops and finds confidence as a young player in the NBA.
0: I, I think the the thing with Dawn is right. Is is on the one hand, I I agree. I mean, I, I we haven't really seen any real instincts for him as a role man. But um, you know, they're obviously also not running tons of like pick and pops, especially with so much of the offense focused around Giannis. So um, for him, it's really about you know knowing when to think about you know and and that's the thing too like I don't think he's I don't think he's like a low IQ player per se but I think his feel in some respects is lacking um he obviously doesn't have good hands I would say you know mm-hmm. just in general and we're kind of spoiled watching Giannis be able to just catch everything I mean Jabari obviously has good hands for for a, a guy his size as well but um But I think it's just sort of like there are times as well, defensively, also, where, you know, I think the game comes a little bit more natural to him, obviously, defensively. But like in that Lakers game, like there were a couple plays where it just felt like things were happening too fast and he didn't read a play right. And, you know, next thing you know, it's, I think it was Julius Randle just like went straight down Main Street, caught the ball, and and dunked on somebody, you know? Um, So it's kind of like sometimes the game speeds up for him and it's kind of hard for him on on both ends, I think. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of you know how do you kind of keep things simple um if he's inside the arc you know do you give him do you have him you know just be able to go and and chase after offensive rebounds can he do that proficiently i don't know right we haven't really seen him be you know translate that motor into much in the way of offensive rebounding last year or this year um and he's never going to be you know just a crazy guy on that in that regard because again you do hope that he continues to shoot some threes um but yeah it's all about (laughs) finding balance for him and um, it, you know I th- I think of things like it while we were talking about head. speed um I wanted to mention this that uh,
1: <laughs> KG kept yelling at him that he's doing stuff too fast uh and I it was just such a KG thing to say but Thon like tried to take like uh, it was supposed to be like a, a pump fake and then like a dribble and he j- he just screams too fast we don't do shit fast, Thon. And it was just like, oh my god, KG, you you are just incredible. But then when we talked with Thon about it, he is like, well, a lot of the stuff is now like, especially with me, is him telling me to slow down a little bit, saying, and he would tell he would tell me you have the speed, the quickness, so you can always go to it, but just slow slow it down a little bit, look at the defense, read it, and then attack. And that just kind of made me think about your your comment about speed and fast and things going too fast for him or slowing down for him and um that was certainly something that they talked a little bit about today
0: yeah so you know we'll we'll kind of see how it evolves i mean um obviously the the benefit thon has is that um you know there are only two centers on this roster right now so yep. until further notice he's gonna get some time even if he's coming off the bench and you know i think especially um we're, we're seeing him try to do a little bit more we've seen him kind of hit a couple like kind of short jump shots um as you said a couple examples of him getting to the rim and you know it's all very very much baby steps in mm-hmm. this regard um and i don't want to act you know i, I don't want to make too much out of any of these things but um but you know again it's it's i think he's still at that phase where you're still kind of looking more for spurts of like that was a great defensive possession like we were talking about the other day, right? When you yep. brought up, you know, a possession where he switched and hung with a smaller guy and challenged a shot and, you know, made a life really difficult for a, a very good, you know, small you know, guard or wing or something like that. And, you know, that kind of capability unlocks opportunities for you as a team. Obviously, if you can switch a center onto a wing and and not, you know, lose much, right? If you can force LeBron into a tough shot or something, that's that's a big win, right? Yeah. But uh, again, it's it's not about doing it once a game it's about doing it you know most of the time when you're needed <laughs> when you're needed <sighs> in a game and um so you know again and, and that's why honestly like uh, you know we've had a few people ask about other centers the Bucks could bring in and um I, I don't know I mean I I'm not I'm, I'm kind of torn on it because uh, first off I don't I don't really feel like bringing in somebody just to bring in somebody um and a part of me is just kind of interested in sort of seeing how thon and henson can can react to getting regular minutes both of them um i, I think certainly they're going to be situations where yeah you, you wish you could have like a big bodied guy who can just take fouls or you know be a better defensive rebounder or, you know do do some of those kind of lunch you know lunch pail type things mm-hmm. um but i don't know i'm i'm kind of still and in some ways this might be a little inconsistent with how i feel more broadly that you know the bucks have an opportunity to be threats to something in the eastern conference this year so you know on the margins why handicap yourself but but, um i also do think it's important that they figure out you know they get thon reps they figure out what he is they figure out what he's not and and they begin to kind of you know sort that out bad and and similar with henson obviously he's a guy that already has gotten paid um and you know i don't think we're in a position where we're going to see him now be traded for you know uh a good player or something like that but um I think there's also some, at least some value in sort of seeing what you've got with him. And, you know, I think we've all been fooled by him a, in the past at some point. Uh, and, and again, I, I mean, I'm not looking at him as like, oh, now he's the Buck center of the future. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm okay with sort of seeing how this works. Uh, and again, I mean, if, if those are your only two centers, like it's not, like <laughs> there's still no excuse, like especially defensively, right? Like you should be yeah. able to defend with these guys. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, sort of, if henson can remain as consistent as he has been which he hasn't been maybe since i think his second year december he put up like 15 and 10 for a whole month after larry sanders was out but other than that like you know it's been very very inconsistent and with Vaughn, obviously it's more about just getting him reps to get him up that learning curve and kind of seeing how he fits in getting getting him comfortable so um so yeah i don't know i mean are there any centers that you off the top of your head that you kind of would be interested in even considering and oh. obviously it's kind of a loaded question because the price would be who knows
1: honestly not really um just because obviously you need to figure out exactly what you have with Thon, and but to me the bigger question is like i think theoretically you're trying to figure out what works with Giannis, and I would like—I don't—I don't want to say some resolution, but at least a better idea of if what we all thought is the the theoretical ideal, which is a, a center that can move their feet defensively and maybe do some switching, and then on offense be able to stretch the floor, is actually what Giannis needs to to get to that next level. To to be the fit for the future so um in in a similar vein I think it's important to kind of learn some of that stuff uh, uh, about Giannis and then in in the same way I I just don't really I don't really see adding anyone again I don't know who's really available and and maybe this will just be a situation where it becomes buyout time and at buyout time, some centers, some kind of lunch pill kind of guys like you're talking about get bought out, and then the Bucks can grab one of those, and maybe that means I'm trying to think cap implications. But I think you could drop Rashad if you needed to, um, <laughs> and then sign that that guy on a, whoever gets bought out that you may be interested in. But
0: I don't I don't foresee making anything happen before buyout season. It's interesting you mentioned Rashad. As as a potential guy you get rid of because I hadn't been thinking about that because certainly when, before this trade with Bledsoe where the Bucks cleared three million additional space under the tax, um, the Bucks were in the situation where if they were to waive Rashad and his guaranteed salary and then sign another minimum contract guy, they, I mean they would have been I think if I remember search correctly they would have been in the luxury tax. Yep. So it really wasn't a practical solution. Um,
1: but, I suppose you could uh, do a
0: jet too. Either well now ones. you yeah i mean and now you are actually in a position where you could release either of those guys and um and even if they're you know fully guaranteed and then take on another salary and, and still remain under the luxury tax um i, I don't know and, and again this is sort of maybe just my lack of imagination i think if you're talking about like guys who you could sign for the minimum or just trade for without giving up anything probably um you know like a guy like andrew bogut you know like Mm -hmm. Bogut's like you know what is he the second or third center on a lakers roster that is obviously not going anywhere this year um i don't know i mean i I would have concerns about uh you know the pizzagate angle of of bringing bogut in Mm -hmm. (laughs) bogut's beliefs are kind of i don't know out there but um I, i don't know i mean a guy like that who can screen and pass um, and play some defense still again I haven't watched enough Lakers to see if he's got much left in the tank defensively but again he would be a guy that would still probably be your third center and it would be really more of a kind of matchup you know type thing that you might say okay we're going against you know a guy who you know if Joel Embiid you're playing the Sixers right like i i would you know maybe feel better about having another guy like in M- like a bogut on the bench that you could throw out a guy like Embiid with fouls and and a little bit more strength and savvy than than obviously yep. henson or Thon. so um so i don't know but again like are you gonna like trade something of value for you know Dwayne deadman or i don't know pick your favorite like mid, you know below average but role-playing starting center or something like that yeah I don't know. I mean, a lot of directions you can go. I know a few people, you know, asked about Julio Okafor. I mean, I just don't see... If you're trying to win games this year and next year and build kind of a coherent roster around Giannis, like Julio Okafor just seems like such a weird guy to to roll a dice on. Like, Mm -hmm. I I, I get if you're a bad team and you need, like, you know, dice rolls, um, that there would be some appeal in Okafor. Can you do it on a wing? like, yeah, like, yeah, that's the thing like I would I would much rather go after like Mario Zonia if we're talking yeah. about like fallen lottery picks whose options were declined, you know, like I'd rather go for a guy like Kazonia who is a wing who, you know, has at least shooting talent and physical tools to kind of, you know, be more of that combo forward type guy off the bench who could give you some interesting, you know, if if he ever kind of figured things out, could actually have, you know, some upside that kind of fits more in the modern game and plays off of kind of the guys you have versus a guy like Okafor who you know like can maybe score individually in a comparable way to greg monroe but does everything else worse and you know is a young guy who's still trying to figure out what he is in the nba and doesn't bring obviously any leadership capabilities or anything like that so uh, yeah, i don't know i mean this it, it, that just I, I don't know i feel like i'm too old to give a shit about the local, the local four <laughs> um, but uh but but i don't know i mean we'll see i mean the bucks do have at least a little bit of flexibility now especially with that um that uh, trade exception that five million dollar trade exception they have so uh they they could do something um but as you said i mean they have 15 guys in the roster so they'd have to figure out what is the you know flip side of that move right how do they they clear roster space DeAndre liggins is the obvious guy just because he's a non-guarantee contract but he's also playing a lot more currently than- contributing yeah he's currently contributing playing a lot more than rashad vaughn or jason terry at this point um so it's uh it's obviously a bit of a question mark there as to how you you know what you do next not not that any of the guys i just mentioned are like you know guys that you would you could never get rid of because they're so essential to your locker room or your whatever um if you're talking about adding a real you know uh a real contributor but um certainly for now i think it'll be just interesting to see kind of how the bucks how the bucks play things and um certainly they'll they have an interesting matchup here on wednesday which is a rematch with the detroit pistons
1: i was gonna say it's it's funny that we're talking about these kind of end of the roster decisions and trying to figure out what where you can find the most most value from those decisions because that's exactly the kind of thing you don't have to do when you play draft every night because you don't have to figure out how do I allocate my budget to get this guy that's really good, but then also who are the crappy guys that are going to overperform tonight and how am I going to win this team? That's not how it works. Only one team gets all a single player, so you get to do a real live snake draft with other people just like you would in your season-long league. That is why it is daily fantasy basketball, but not like the other guys. Here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one night, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple of minutes so you can join one right Now and the best part play for cold hard cash. Drafts start for jobs from just one dollar, so there's a draft for everyone. No salary caps, play in a real live snake draft, just like you play with your friends in a season long league. Come and join us over on Draft today, download the app anytime, just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes, or play right from your computer on Draft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S, again that's L-O-B-U-C-K-S, for lockdown bucks that's right play a real money game for free just for using our promo code lo bucks on your first deposit on draft and last week we had someone specifically ask how they could take our money and one very easily Mike. W- one well done uh in two like we said it, it's just as easy as just Download the app or go to draft.com and we will tweet out a link to I get. I'll say tomorrow for now, but it will be on Wednesday because it is draft Wednesday on the locked on network. We'll tweet out a link. All you have to do is join it and you
0: can try to take our money. Um and, and they can follow, follow each of us, right? Yep. So like you're are you Eric underscore name? Yep. Is that your is that I think okay. So Eric underscore N-E-H-M and I'm uh, locked on Frank very creatively one word um but you're the one who usually creates the uh creates the little uh drafts so yeah so be you sure can do it, yep you can do it just kind of like twitter where you just follow
1: us and if you see us i mean if you follow us you're gonna know that we create a league and then you can hop right in um and try to do that so we do it every wednesday and you can hop in with us and play along with us over at draft again draft.com or download the app and it is called Just Draft. It's very simple, and you'll be able to find it, and you'll be able to play daily fantasy basketball. Frank, uh, looking at the Bucks' daily matchup today, uh, they have the Detroit Pistons, and the Detroit Pistons are 10-3. and 3. They are, are still one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. They have not lost since playing the Milwaukee Bucks in, uh, let's see, what is that? 12 days since playing the Bucs. They beat the Sacramento Kings 108-99. Indiana Pacers 114-97. The Atlanta Hawks 111-104. And finally, the Miami Heat 112-103. That was on Sunday, so they have a couple of days of rest heading into this game. This will be the Bucks fourth game in six days um so the bucks might be a little bit more on the tired end and uh the pistons might be a little bit more well rested um but what are you looking at going into this game i know i'm focused kind of on uh, i think when you look at the bucks and the teams that they've played since acquiring blood so not necessarily a bunch of teams that would really spread spread you out with the pick-and-roll, really take advantage of you and your and some poor pick-and-roll defense. Um, the Pistons were a team that already did it once this year, um, so I'm interested to see if things have improved this year, and, or I guess since the trade, and I'm also interested to see if there's a more serious tone taken to the defensive end of the floor, because we mentioned it last night, They did a nice job in the third quarter, only giving up 12 points to the Memphis Grizzlies. They did a nice job in the fourth quarter. But in the first half, they looked uninterested in playing defense, and it worked out that night because they kind of turned it on in the third quarter, able to get a nice lead, and able to finish it down the stretch by trying harder on defense um and you were you were not happy with me saying that i I think they can flip the switch and play some tough defense when they wanted to that you want that all the time so you're building you're building
0: bad habits eric god damn it
1: (laughs) don't encourage them not encouraging just not building up expectations that I don't think they can live up to. So, what are you looking for in this game, Frank?
0: Uh, well, I mean, the last time these two teams met, what, it, Giannis had two free throws and Andre Drummond hit 14 out of 16. That that yep. was that was one of the weather. wow, the Bucks are getting killed at the foul line in terms of differential. Um... And so certainly, you know, again, that was a, a very frustrating game, a very frustrating game for Giannis. He seemed to be in particular frustrated, um, got off 27 shots. Was that a, I think that might have been a season high in terms of uh, shots um, for Giannis. Yeah. Um, and obviously wasn't as efficient as you would have liked. You know, he hit 13 out of 27 um, from the field. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Stanley Johnson did, did fine. We saw them frustrate Giannis probably getting away with some stuff. Um I think I'm looking at the injury report on basketball reference. It looks like both Johnson and John Lore um are maybe a little bit of question marks for this game. So I, I don't know um if they'll play or not. lure did not play last time, but um ironically uh those two guys have um shown at least some ability to slow down Giannis a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, again, a lot of the success that, you know, the, the Pistons did have to some extent was, um, you know, just again, kind of letting maybe, maybe for, for lucking into Giannis settling for jump shots. Um, and he, I think he hit an early one uh, in Detroit, kind of like he hit an early one against the Grizzlies from the left wing. I think it was roughly the same spot. And then, Kind of took a lot of turnaround fadeaway jump shots mm-hmm. and didn't really have that going and, you know, still got his points, but, you know, wasn't at sort of that superhuman level efficiency that we've kind of been been spoiled at and gotten used to. So um, we'll be interested to see, uh, you know, the the current game notes, official game notes from the Pistons um, show Reggie Bullock and Tobias Harris starting at the three and four um, alongside, of course, Andrew Drummond in the middle and Avery Bradley, Reggie Jackson. They have um Lure uh, and Stanley Johnson, both day to day Johnson with the hip flexor and Laura with an ankle sprain. So um, certainly those injuries Will definitely have a, an impact on how the Pistons decide to defend Giannis, um, and and we'll kind of see how they how they play that. But certainly Drummond was very good, and you know because of his free throw shooting, very efficient. The Bucks could not keep him off the line, and he did a great job converting um, in spite of his horrible career numbers in the foul line. Um, that's been obviously a, a major plus for them. So I don't know. I mean, I don't find this team really very interesting in general. Like I, I totally you agree. know. The Bistons are kind of one of those teams that, I mean, credit to Stan Van Gundy and, and this team. Like, they've obviously been pretty successful. And, you know, like, credit to Stan Van they're...
1: Gundy for making me think he's now an NBA coach again because I had serious questions in the
0: last few years. Well, uh, NBA coaches, I mean, well, he was an NBA, but what he, was he a good, you know, he was yeah. obviously for a long time a very good one. And, and obviously, yeah, last. Last year, um, certainly the year before last, they w- they were pretty pretty good. But last year, it just seemed like I don't know. Did anybody want to be in Detroit last year? It did, did, not Sam that way. Yeah. In, did Sam want to be? Yeah. Did Sam want to be in Detroit last year? It just seemed like you know, and and with him being the the lead decision maker in terms of personnel, I mean he kind of made his bed and you know, now he was having to sleep in it and um, you know, it just, it was just obviously not a situation that seemed to be one that anybody was very pleased with. And, you know, (laughs) so we'll see, we'll see if, if they can keep this up. I mean, I don't think anybody expects them to continue to win 10 out of every 13 games, but uh, certainly they are, you know, a team that you'd look at and say, yeah, they, 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 certainly could win 45 games you know the bucks if they if the bucks want to go be you know a top 4 seed and want to you know especially if looking at it those like those 4 and 5 spots in the east i mean right now the pistons are a team that obviously look like they could at least challenge them in that and again maybe they'll fall apart maybe uh you know some of the hot shooting they've gotten from some guys like Harris will will fall off but um you know for now they're they're getting it done and they're winning games and um obviously you know there's no time like the present to to pull start pulling a team like this back to the pack and obviously the Bucks have played well, and um, this is a different a different team than than Detroit. Certainly saw uh, the last time they played, given the addition of Eric Bledsoe. So um, hopefully hopefully that that knee contusion or whatever it was that was bothering Bledsoe um, is is feeling good, and obviously he played through it on Monday. and played played well makes him made some big plays played very good defense and certainly um, you know this is another team that um, you know Reggie Jackson is kind of one of those guys on any given night Reggie Jackson can you know outplay very good point guards or he can be outplayed by very bad point guards Um, but so far so far he's been good this year and and obviously that's that's a a leading indicator of, of you know how a piston season is gonna go is is how Reggie Jackson is looking
1: I haven't had to say this in a little while because uh, the defense has been a little bit better since Bledsoe's been around, but I think I said this in the game after the Bucks lost to the Pistons. I want to see someone actually commit to pick-and-roll defense. That has not been as big of a problem. Um, Still not ideal, um, still not perfect, but there's been some more commitment and some more execution there, and now that they're playing a team that does like the pick-and-roll, I would like to see that again. I would like to see uh, what this team can do defensively. Um, so I, I'm excited to get a closer look at that and see if they can attempt to contain Reggie Jackson, attempt to contain Ish Smith, uh, who, who got into the lane a bunch in, in that last game in a very Ish Smith uh, type of way. And I, I just want to see it be better. And like you said, you should and we should continue to expect a lot from this defense that they have a number of talented guys on that roster that they should be able to d up and make something happen so that that will be what i'm looking for and um i'm i'm really hoping i don't see andre drummond shoot 87 percent from the free throw line <laughs> um no matter the number that he takes i definitely don't want to see him take 16 again um but if he takes 16 just make like 60 ish like that would that would be fine and and again that that's better than you're doing last year so hopefully that can be enough of of an improvement but i don't need to see a 14 of 69 from the free throw line that does not interest me at all so um i I think that's about all that i find interesting in this game uh you have
0: anything left yeah well it's funny on the topic of drummond's free throw shooting so (laughs) this is how big of an outlier that game was and and again this A lot of this is on the Bucks for, for fouling him that much and not being able to contain him. Yep. Before that game, the most free throws he had shot in any individual game in the season was six um, a few games earlier. In the two games before the Bucks lost to the Pistons, he did not shoot a single free throw. He shot zero free throws in the two previous games. He shot two in the, in the previous game before that. Since going 14 out of 16 from the foul line, against the Bucks, the next game he was two out of four the game after that he was 0 for 7 the game after that four for six and the game after that two for four so his season percentage is now down to 63.2 percent so I'd be just um, fine
1: with seeing that Frank
0: 63 you know, percent would be
1: just fine with me
0: <laughs> hopefully his um mental uh the 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 mental strength he was showing that night in Detroit that when he killed the Bucks at the line um is fraying Hopefully he is weakening his, his self doubt <laughs> is creeping in and, uh, and hopefully, uh, we will see more of basically the Andre drum we've seen in every other game rather than, uh, the Andre drum we saw that night, because you take away that night, he's shot 57 free throws the entire season. So if you take away that night, he's let's see 22 out of 41. So just barely over 50%. So, um, yeah, uh, my my guess is, you know, and again, this is a guy who shot under forty percent. What the last couple years, I think so. Yep. Uh, the bar was not very high. So I mean, even if he's in the fifties, that's that's real progress. Yep. Um, but uh, let's just say this: I I do not expect to see Andre Drummond shooting seventy percent from the line over a full season. And uh, I guess we'll see kind of how he ends up, but. Certainly, his his work on the glass remains uh, very impressive. Almost sixteen rebounds per game uh, over the course of the season. Eighteen per game over the last five games. So, um, yeah, he's he's a load, but but a weird player, obviously, because he's often not that effective as a scorer because his doesn't really like contact, and obviously, historically has not shot well from the free throw line. So, um, okay. so we'll see. It'll be I, I it'll be, it'll be a, Go a, a good test. A good test for. Uh, you know, the new and improved John Henson that everybody suddenly likes again, right? <laughs> he'll, he'll put together... Playoff Henson is back, right? baby.
1: He's back. Yeah. Um, I just opened up Andre Drummond's basketball reference page, and can, can they just stop with the nicknames? They have his nickname <laughs> listed as Big Penguin. There's no way anyone has ever called him that. And if they did, there's no way anyone else also called him that. God, basketball reference. Enough with the nicknames.
0: Yeah, I think I I think I once asked about this um, because I remember Brandon Jennings. For Brandon Jennings, they had the pterodactyl. What? And I just remember seeing that the first time like years and years ago, and I remember thinking, no one has ever called him the pterodactyl. And then I asked somebody about it, and it was like, I, I think I just added the, um, I, I you know, tweeted at the basketball reference page, and they said something like, it was like somebody had like, been in charge of coming up with the nicknames and I think it was like somewhat of a joking exercise so I from what I could tell I think it was let's just say this I don't think it, the person who put these in here seriously thinks that anybody calls uh calls guys necessarily all these names I think some of these are uh, are kind of just jokes um and I think the the best one do, do, are you aware of Channing Fry's basketball reference nickname Eric have you do you know what it is uh, I think
1: there? I've heard it but I don't remember right
0: now I, I believe it is buffet of goodness <laughs> <laughs> which um, which which of course I, I don't know if there's any backstory but certainly no one oh yeah could, it's there it's buffet no of goodness. one no one calls Channing fry that by the way uh, I mentioned my uh, my stash of leftover uh, Halloween candy um mm-hmm. Dwindling. Get, getting getting very grim um I had a I had a little bu- a little bit of a respite because we had some... Trader Joe's dark chocolate uh, peanut butter cups, which are just amazing, and so I wasn't really eating any candy. And now I'm in the um, like I'm rummaging through, and all I see are Milky Ways. Which (laughs) I don't know if other people like Milky Ways. I find it amazing that Milky Way is the same as a as a Snickers, except it just doesn't have peanuts. Right? That's the only difference I think between a Milky Way and a Snickers. But man, do those peanuts matter? They do. Peanuts matter. That's absolutely do. all peanuts matter. I, I um, would agree with that assessment, Frank. Uh, I don't really know if I have anything else to add. I think I think
1: no, that's a great candy I... take. We can get out on that. I'm totally okay <laughs> with that. Uh, candy takes and heading over to draft on Wednesdays. That is what we are about here. Unlocked on, on bucks. Head over to draft. Use our promo code L O B U C K S. Again, that's L O bucks, and that'll get you a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. So head over to draft. Download the app or head over to draft dot for frank madden this has been eric name this has been locked on bucks we will talk to you after the milwaukee bucks play the detroit pistons note the milwaukee bucks are still undefeated in the eric bledsoe era so we'll see if that stands talk to you guys tomorrow